full disclosure, I like control. Anybody in here like control? Now, I didn't say I like to be controlled. Um, I hate that. I like to be in control, right? Um, I'm what you call a strong D personality type for dominant, not like the D my wife calls it. She has a different name for my personality type. They both start with D, coincidence, I think. Um, but, but again, I like to be in charge. I like to be in control. And, and I dominate um, the people around me if I'm not careful. Um, I fall into these unhealthy patterns where um, that, that's what I do. I, I leverage influence. I, I, I leverage aggression. I leverage whatever I can because, um, because I'm fearful and I'm prideful. And um, it, it's something that, that's very hard for me sometimes to just step back and, and to let other people do things, to let other people be in charge. It's especially hard for me to let God be in charge of my life. It, it got me in so much trouble for so long. And, and it's human nature um, to want to control every aspect of our life. It does um, come from our sin nature, though. We see it from the very beginning. If you're familiar with God's word, you, you know, in the beginning, God um, created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And in that, there was like this element of them trying to seize control. God's like, hey, don't eat the fruit um, from this forbidden tree, the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Um, and, and they wanted to have what God had. Well, why? Well, pride. Pride and control, right? They wanted to see something there. And because of that, we see the fall of man. And it's something that we struggle with to, to this day. Um, it interferes with our, our life and our relationships. We make statements, though, like Jesus take the will. Anybody ever said that, Jesus take the will? Um, yeah, don't, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. You know I'm getting ready to make fun of you all, so you don't want to put your hands up. And I am. It's stupid. It's a stupid statement. Jesus should have already had it, right? Um, he should be in the driver's seat. It's like kind of like Jesus take the will, like reach over from the past passenger seat and steer for me. No, he should be there. You, you should be the co-pilot, right? Or in the back seat. So we say, Jesus, take the will. Um, um, let go, let God. That's another one um, that, that we remind ourselves to try to leverage to remind ourselves that, that God's got this, or at least God should. But more often than not, we don't mean it. Um, we're full of it. Uh, we don't want to surrender anything. Again, it goes against who we are. It goes against that sin nature. Uh, do you want to hold on to things? And, and we even, even say things. I hear statements like this. God, if, if it's your will, you would take it from me. Or God, take it from me. Just remove this from me. And, and God's not going to take anything, right? He, he's a gentleman that, that he looks for humble hearts, right? Hearts that are surrendered to him, that are surrendered to him. Tonight's message is titled this, Unchained from Control. Say Control. And what I, I want to talk about is our addiction to control. Um, and, and I think out of uh, many people groups across the, the globe here, um, Americans, and I am, I love our country, um, we have an addiction to control, right? We want, we want to dominate and we want to be in control. And it just kind of comes from, you know, who we are as a nation, right? And, and how we um, were created and just how these people came together the way that we did. We, that's what we do. We want to be in control of the things around us. We want to control how we feel, um, so we get higher drunk. Uh, for the longest time, that's how I regulated every emotion that I had. Um, it, it was funny, um, or sad, really sad. Um, I, I was sad, right, depressed. I had issues going on that I didn't want to confront, so I got high. Um, and then when things were going great, I got high. Um, if things were just kind of bored and, and even, right, I got high. And it's like that was my answer for everything, right, because I, I was trying to, like, leverage whatever I could um, to force the type of emotion and attitude that I had. I didn't know how to even seek enjoyment out of life, absent from substance abuse. It was the only thing I knew to do to be in control or feel like I was in control of what was going on in my life. We... Um, 
um, try to control in our relationships. The way that I do this is anger. Um, if I feel like I'm losing control, um, I, I begin to dominate. I, I'm, I'm very loud. I'm very aggressive. Um, I take that type of posture, whether it's with my wife or my children. And it's any time that, that I feel like I've lost my leverage, right? If, if I'm in that unhealthy place, I begin to do that. I do it with coworkers, uh, people who um, have the um, unfortunate um, luck to, to work with me. They, they get to see this type of brokenness on a regular basis because, again, I want to leverage my will for the things that go on around me, uh, and I'm still so broken. I'm still so broken that, that I begin to do that because I want what I want. I want to be in control. Um, if I'm being completely vulnerable with you, a lot of times I'm convinced I'm, I'm smarter than everyone else in the room. I know none of you ever do that. You just, you know, you don't, you don't take that stance, but I do. And I'm like, well, I know better, right? We all think we know better, right? If you, if you know something and you don't think you know better, I don't know what's wrong with you. But, but we think that we know better than the people around us. We become critical. We become dominating, um, we begin to point out other people's flaws, and it's all in an effort um, to, to maintain this illusion of control over whatever we can. And again, it comes from that pride, from that, that sin nature inside of us. We gamble. We become workaholics to try to leverage and control our finances and to try to grasp at straws however we can to, to maintain some type of sense of stability or, or what have you. We have plastic surgery. We spend money on spray tans, tanning beds, lip injections. I mean, all sorts of stuff, body tattoos and piercings. Um, I'm going to attack everybody in the room at some point. Um, but, but what is it? We, we want to control the way that we look, right? We, we're not satisfied with something about us. And if we can mold and shape ourselves to, to look like how we want to look and, and to be how we want to be, well, it comes down to pride and control in a lot of ways. Um, insecurities, which comes down to control as well. But to let go and let God means this, acknowledging God to direct our paths, letting go of lingering doubts and submitting our lives to God alone. Again, to let go and let God means to acknowledge God to direct our paths, letting go of lingering doubts and submitting our lives to God alone. When God is in control of our lives, when God is truly in control of our lives, our lives become whole. The lie is, our lives are whole when we control every aspect, that that's somehow going to make things complete and perfect and balanced. If, if I can just use everything I have to, to maintain a grasp on everything in my circle, I'll be made whole. But God's word really paints and reveals something completely different. Um, it's when we let go of all of it that we become complete and whole. And I want us to start tonight in a passage I'm certain most of you are familiar with. It's in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew is a part of your um, New Testament, and it's a part of the Gospels, right? The, the New Testament starts out with four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the Gospels. They tell about the life in the ministry of Jesus. Um, in Matthew 6, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. We've touched on this several times over the past few weeks. Um, Matthew 6, starting in verse 5, um, Jesus is talking about and teaching about praying. And he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly and on street corners and synagogues where everybody can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Now, he's not saying don't ever pray in public. It's, it's about your heart, right? Don't do it to be seen. Don't do it to be recognized. Um, he goes on, he says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do, 
They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. And again, Jesus isn't saying come to him repeatedly with prayers. Come to God, right? I mean, God's word tells us, you know, knock and seek and the door will be open. The answer will be given. Um, so it's, it's not that. It's like, you know, an incant, um, chant, I can't even talk, you know, chanting. Um, uh, we don't want to repeat things in, in that sense. It, again, it's about the heart here. Uh, it says their prayer, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him, even before you ask him. So are you saying, well, don't, don't pray? I mean, God knows what I need, so I shouldn't pray? Not, not at all, not at all. I mean, God, again, tells us to pray, to pray and to seek him. And then he goes on this. He says, pray like this. Say like this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today the food we need. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, this is not the prayer that you have to pray. You're welcome to pray this as often as you like, but Jesus isn't saying like, hey, this is the only prayer right here. You know, you need to say this every day and repeat it without fail. And, and no, it, but he's given us a model for prayer. And there's some things I want to point out. Um, in this, you know, they ask for stuff like give us the food we need, right? Forgive us or we're asking for things. We're forgive, seeking forgiveness and we're seeking to forgive those around us. But it's the beginning that's, that's so important, and I don't want you to miss this. He says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Remember, holy means set apart. So, God, may your name, who you are, your essence, your presence, be kept holy, set apart. May your kingdom, say kingdom. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think that's so important because we're recognizing the kingdom of God, right? May your kingdom come, not hey, God, I just really pray that the kingdom of Aaron will come soon, that, that you'll give me the opportunity to show all the people how dumb they are, how great I am. Lord, please allow me to put my boot on the throat of my enemies and crush everybody. The kingdom of Aaron comes soon. No, it, it's may your kingdom come. Whose kingdom? God's. May your kingdom come soon. And this follows up. May your will be done. Whose will? God's will. God's will. And, and how often... In our prayers, do we ask for things, which is okay, but the thing we're asking for is not God's will at all. It's our will. God, man, I please, God, please make them break up. Man, so I can get her. She's so fine. Man, <laughs> that is not God's will. That's your will, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're praying against something that, that lines up with God. God, man, please, you know, help me, you know, win a million dollars at, at the casino, you shouldn't be gambling, right? You're, you're praying for your will there. That, that's not, so he's saying, may your kingdom come. May your will be done, right? We have to begin to pray for things and seek things that line up with God and line up with God's kingdom. And so the funny thing about the kingdom of God, the thing that I forget sometimes that maybe you don't, um, I'm not the king. I'm not in charge. I'm not in control. And anytime I think that I am, Anytime that I approach life that way, right, is, is I'm Lord of everything. Is, is I'm at the top. 
and I place myself in that type of position of authority over my lives and the lives of those around me, I get myself into trouble. I, I find myself slipping and failing and, and falling and, and missing it. it. It's only when I've lined myself up under you know, the king, under the lordship of Jesus, under the authority of his word, his guidance and direction, do things really work out for me. Now, I may not get everything I want in those moments, but, but life is better right? My, my heart is better. My mind is better. My relationships are better. The things that matter are, are better when I allow God to rule and, and I allow God to be king. And so often than not, I miss that. You know what they call it when somebody seizes, tries to seize control when they shouldn't? It's, it's a coup, right? You ever heard that? It's a coup. Like, what are we trying to do? Like, leverage God out of his throne and his position? It's treasonous. If we're on a boat, it'd be mutiny, right? But that's what we do. That's how we try to operate in life. And we're like, man, things are very chaotic here. What's going on? My life is a struggle. Um, It's because you're trying to rule from a position you never should have in the first place. We've got to unchain ourselves from control, right? We've got to let go of it. It goes against everything in us because we have such a sinful nature, right? It goes against all of the pride, all of the fear, all of the things that we've got to learn to let go of, but we've got to let go of control. Now, it's, it's not easy, but it's worth it. We have to humble ourselves to God and allow him to lead. So where should we begin when it comes to unchaining ourselves from control. Um, if you guys would, open up your Bibles to Philippians, Philippians chapter two. Um, if you don't have your Bible, I wanna remind you that we've got the Version Bible app. All of our notes are kicked onto there. You can go to the events tab. You can download today's message notes. It has everything that we show on the screen plus some other things that we do not. Um, and um, so you can check that out, Version Bible app. But we're in Philippians two. Philippians was written by the apostle Paul. Um, Paul was the guy that was Saul. He had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He actually wrote two-thirds of our New Testament. Um, And so here he's writing to the church of Philippi. Philippians 2, um, chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirits? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? I just love that. I mean, when I read God's word, so often I I see um, the realness in it because I know this. I mean, there's been times that I've wondered, like, what the heck am I doing? Like, is, there, is there any comfort in this? It's so hard. It was so easy at times before when I just did whatever the heck I wanted. And I didn't care about who I stepped on or what I did or any of that. And, and it's so hard sometimes to do the right thing. Um, it's so hard. Uh, I cut somebody off the other day. I know that surprises a lot of you. Um, um, and and I, I got out. And I remember I had two options. One, I felt like they were wrong um, first off. Um, but he gets out and he's like, we saw you, you cut us off. And I wanted to be like, yeah, because you're stupid. Um, but I didn't do that because I'm pastoral and I'm a Christian and I'm just, I just don't act that way, right? I don't live that way no more. And so I just said, I'm sorry, right? Now, it would have been a lot easier for old me to be like, yeah, you're just a moron. Get out of the way and I won't cut you off next time. Um, but sometimes it's, it's, it's just, it's harder to do this. And so Paul's really laying this out and has this picture. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. It says this, it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Say humble. 
Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must, say must. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That's such a powerful statement there. Don't be selfish. I mean, that, that's kind of who we are as people, right? I mean, nobody had to teach their toddler to say mine, right? They just picked that up. It's not like you went to them, grabbed their bottle one day and said mine, and then they started repeating it like the cuss word that slipped that one time, you know? That's not what happens with that. They just instinctively have that possessiveness about them. But he's saying, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble, Humble is, is taking a position where you think of others as greater than yourself, right? You seek to serve them. That's hard. It's hard because people don't often deserve it. It's not an easy thing to do. But be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests. But take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And he goes on. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. You know, if you're new um, here, new to the faith, or you thought this was like an NA meeting, you accidentally stumbled in here, um, you know, Jesus, you know, as Christians, we believe that he was, he was man, right? He was, he was born to a woman, 100% man, but also like 100% God, um, divine in nature, right? Holy and set apart, um, that, that he was like the word, that things were created through him. And so um, that, that's so much greater than just a man. Like, so that, that type of acknowledgement, that's our acknowledgement of faith. That's, that's how we see it. And, and he said, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, though he was, right? He was God, not only equal to God, but, but was God. Instead, say instead. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. You know, pr privilege is something that we have a right to, right? We've, we've earned it. it. It's ours. He took the humble position of slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So, so Paul lays it out here. You must have the same attitude as Christ. And that attitude is one that's humbled, right? One that's submitted. One that, that's giving up things like control for the sake of others around us. And so point number one tonight is this. Let go of your sense of entitlement. That if we're going to unchain ourselves from control we have to stop thinking that we're entitled to anything. Um, and, and it's this type of mindset that's wrecking our culture today. Anybody in here have teenagers? I mean, teenagers are awful, aren't they? We all agree that teenagers have no clap. No, nothing? Come on, there we go, there we go, yeah. Um, <laughs> because they, they think that just because they breathe, that they, they somehow have a right to anything, right? I mean, it just... But here, the sad thing is, we did too. We did too. We, we bag on teenagers today, but I remember being 15 and 16, and I had the same type of attitude. Um, but, but we carry that on into adult life, and, and, and we see this just wrecking culture today, wrecking things, this sense of entitlement that just because I can fog a mirror, somehow I need a trophy. Um, I know a couple weeks ago, if you follow our podcast, um, I spent like 30 minutes railing against participation trophies. It's great. You should check it out. Share it with all your participation trophy friends. But uh, um, I think I told this on, on the podcast one time. I remember my son, um, my oldest son, Andrew, he's playing football, second grade. Um, he sucked. He was so bad. It was awful. It was like the worst thing for our relationship ever. And it was because he just didn't try. I mean, he was terrible. Um, 
I don't know if I can say fat up here, but I'm going to say fat up here. Like the real fat, heavy kid that doesn't run, you know, like your lineman. Andrew, and my son's skinny and fit. I mean, he runs cross country now, for crying out loud. Is like 100 yards behind this kid. I'm like, run. He's like, I am. You know, just terrible. It was awful. Um, so he gets through the end of the season. His coach had the audacity to hand my son a trophy. I was like, what is this? I mean, we're walking off the field. I take that trophy. He's like, Dad, I got this trophy. I said, yeah. I threw it in the trash. I threw it in the trash. You guys are like, you should go to hell for that. No, I shouldn't, right? Because what I'm doing is I'm crushing that, that nonsensical sense of entitlement. He didn't earn that. He didn't earn that. And my kid is fine. He's 15. He, he hardly needs therapy at all. Um, <clears throat> now, if you talk to him, he's doing great. Um, but, but that type of attitude. We feed into that, and it gives us this sense of entitlement. And that sense of entitlement thinks we have a right to control everything around us. And we show up to places we think people should do what we want them to do. And when they don't, we begin to struggle in our addiction and our shortcomings and our failures. Because somebody has convinced us that because we can fog a mirror today, somehow we have a right to anything. And that's not God's word. It's humble ourselves, take the position of servant, place ourselves below those around us. If we're going to be healthy in, in, in our addiction and our recovery and to get past these things, we have to let go of this sense of entitlement we have. We, we, don't, we don't own any of this. It's God. Every good and pleasing thing comes from, from God above, right? So there's nothing in this life that's ours. Everyone falls short of the glory of God, Right? Every single one of us. God's word tells us that. So none of us has earned a right to salvation. Um, none of us has earned any of this. It's all through God's grace, which is undeserved mercy, right? A gift that you cannot earn. Yet in our brokenness, we think we have a right to anything. And when we think we have a right to things, we're prideful. When we're prideful, we begin to think that we can control the things around us. That somehow we deserve it. Somehow we've earned it. Somehow it's our place to do that, and that begins an unhealthy cycle in our lives. It's not ours. It's his. Every good and pleasing thing is his. And if we want to break the chains of control, we have to let go of this sense of entitlement. Let's do this. Let's turn to James. James 1, as we look at point number 2 tonight. James 1, as we look at point number 2. You guys are like, man, it's Memorial Day. We thought he was coming in soft tonight. No, he's talking about child abuse up there and all sorts of things. And I just don't know if I'm coming back now. Um, but, uh, James 1. Um, we're going to be starting in verse 5 in just a moment. James was the half-brother of Jesus. Um, I taught um, through James 1 last night with our men in the Live Free house. Um, I'm not going to be quite as bold and direct as I was with them um, last night. Um, it got a little harsh at, at times, but I, I do always like to touch on this. I mean, here we have James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, um, who struggled in faith as Jesus was alive, but something took place that, that James, who's an undisputed historical figure, later not only did he profess faith in his brother, but he led the church um, in Jerusalem, right? He, the Jewish believing Christians, he, had, he was the head of that church. And so clearly something took place to move him from my brother's crazy to my brother is actually God in a body. So just something to chew on. But James 1, um, starting in verse 5, it says this, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. This is not related to any of this, but I've seen some of your guys' decisions. Can you please start asking God for some wisdom? So if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Say alone. 
Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. So be sure that your faith is in God alone. Um, the, the Kind of the terminology we have for this is double-mindedness. That, that if we are going to God, we have to have a single-track mind. We can't be split or, or divided um, because that begins to move us to this place that's unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And so trying to control everything is saying, you know, God, I don't, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. It's, and when, when we have that, when we don't trust God, we're, we're double-minded. Our, our faith is in not, not in God alone. Um, some of our faith is in us. It's like, God, God's probably got some of this, but there's this area right here that I've got to maintain a firm grip on. Because God can't move here. He, he can't do this. Or maybe he's not interested. Maybe he doesn't want to. I mean, he can do all of these other things. You know, I talk to people at times. Um, they have this sense of faith, right? They, they believe that, you know, there's probably a creator somewhere, but he's just disengaged now or, or this, that, and the other. Um, but we have to begin to not only recognize that there's um, a creator God, right? But that he does love and care and that he's engaged in our lives actively today and that he wants to move. And so again, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Point number two tonight is this. We have to let go of our doubts. If we want to unchain ourselves from, from the, the addiction of control, um, we have to let go of our doubts, our doubts of, of God, who he is, what he can do, what he wants to do. And, and we have to begin to trust him. James continues in verse 7. It says, such people, what people? People with divided loyalty, double-mindedness, people who don't put all of their faith in God, but, but hold on to some of that control for themselves. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable. Say unstable. Unstable in everything they do. Unstable is the opposite of control. But, but that's what happens. We try to maintain control over every aspect of our lives, refusing to humble ourselves to God. And the thing that we want is stability, right? right? We want everything to work out and to be right, and to be good. But because we won't let go of it, we find ourselves here, unstable. And everything's burning down around us. And it's, why? God, why, why is this not working out? I mean, I've, I've made sure to micromanage every aspect. You know, I've, I've yelled and cussed at the people I should yell and cuss at. You know, I've done this, that, and the other. But, but we find ourselves in, in this position where it's like the sea, not calm, full of waves, ups and downs, and completely unstable. But we have to let go of our doubt. We have to, to humble ourselves and trust in God completely. If you guys would, turn just a few chapters forward. We're going to move to James 4 um, as we look at point number 3 and begin to close. And so James 4, um, it says this. It says, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate and the spirit he's placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so I like how he starts that off there in five. He says this, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? I know many of us 
Um, I know me for a season. That was kind of the approach I had, that I, I see God's word, um, and I know early on I recognized that there must be a God. Um, there's just too much to be accident, this, that, and the other. Um, but, but I just... <laughs> I couldn't believe all of it. He said, do you think the scripture has no meaning? And they say that the God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And so as we read this, we have to push aside those doubts. And when we push aside the doubts about God and really begin to look at his word and, and to look at the truths there and, and, and really begin to understand it, we, we can see the, the truth there. And, and the truth there reveals that, that we should be faithful to him, that, that we should um, submit to him and, and follow him. And he gives grace generously, undeserved mercy. And as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud. He's in opposition to those of us who actively seek to control our lives in spite of him moving. It puts us in opposition to God's plan and his purpose for our life. But he gives grace to the humble. That, that's those that submit to him and surrender. Pride puts us in opposition. Control puts us in opposition. Humbling ourselves puts us in a place of undeserved mercy. And so point number three is this. If we want to unchain ourselves from control, we have to submit to God. I don't like that word. Again, going back to the beginning, I like control. I am a strong D personality type. I, I, I dominate. I control. That's just who I am. And, and everything about my faith clashes with that. And I have to do this, submit. And I went through so much of my life with this posture in my heart that I will submit to no one and nothing. That, that I, will, I will not let anything dominate me, anything control me. Um, I, I, would, I, I had that type of attitude towards God. Oh, there's a God, I'm sure of it, but he's not going to tell me what to do. And, and that, that put me in this place of opposition that I was unaware of. And it's not that God brought calamity in my life or, or made me an addict or, or made me suffer. That was my own stupidity because absent of God... I was absent of guidance and direction. And absent of all of the things that I really needed, I couldn't see truth. I couldn't walk in the light. I couldn't, I couldn't find the, the right path. And I stumbled and I failed and I struggled and, and I drifted. And it wasn't until I realized that, that cement didn't have to be the dirty word that, that I thought it was for so long. And we have to submit to God if we're to break the chain of control and it, it, he goes on, he says, so humble yourselves before God. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and this world. We, we have to choose today who's in charge. Who's going to be in charge of your life? Who's going to be in charge of your decisions? And for me, the choice was clear. It was me with my limited knowledge, <laughs> barely knowing what I was going to do the next day half the time, or a God that was divine, that was holy, that was set apart, that clearly was much more capable than me. And when I began to put it in that type of perspective, begin to look at it through that lens, the choice was clear. 
It was obvious. Anything outside of that just seemed ignorant at that point. That I clearly (laughs) messed up so much. And he's clearly done so much that submitting to him just seemed like the right choice. And I know this, that since that day, my life has been completely different. Not without pain, not without suffering, not without hardship, not without mistake. But it's been infinitely better. And I've said this a hundred times probably. I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade a one day in this life for a hundred back where I came from. And and it was all because of this realization that I need to stop trying to control my life and I need to hand it over to him. And so again, point number three is this, submit to God. I want us to do this. Um, I want us to take just a moment right where you're at um, and just close your eyes um, and and begin just to think about the areas that that you try to dominate and try to control. Um, Just begin to think about them, begin to surrender them to them. Father, I just thank you. God, I thank you for every individual you've brought here. Lord, and I thank you that you're not indifferent to what we go through. God, that you're not indifferent to our struggles. And and Father, I just pray that, that those that you've brought here tonight would begin to trust you completely. That they would push aside any doubt. That they would let go of that sense of entitlement. And that they would trust you and submit to you wholly. And I thank you, Lord, that in our surrender, everything changes. That in our surrender, Lord, we're made new, that we're made complete. And I thank you, Father, for the work that you've started and the promise that you'll see it through to completion. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. To recap tonight, that was, that was intense. Uh, to recap tonight. Uh, point number one is this. We need to let go of our sense of entitlement. Um, don't be the participation trophy generation, right? I mean, nobody likes those guys. Um, let, let go of the sense of entitlement. Number two, let go of your doubts. Here's the thing. Um, our, our faith is not a paper tiger. Yeah, you know, that when you look into it, it's not like you're going to find something under the rug and it's a house of cards that comes crushing down. Um, that I, I doubted for so long, and, and the more that I leaned into the things of God, the more was revealed to be true. That's the beauty of this, that because it is real, because God's word is truth, that the more we lean into this, the more it's revealed to be so. And then number three, we have to submit to him. And I know that's so hard for so many of us. Um, you know, one of the things I love about recovery people is um, I would say most of us are, are strong D personality types, um, the dominant kind and the kind that my wife uses. Um, you know, we're just, we're just that way. But um, when we submit to God, um, when we surrender to him, uh, everything changes. So our action steps tonight, evaluate yourself, your choices, identify the areas that, that you, your desire is the prevailing authority. If, it's, if ours is above God's, we're wrong. And number two, surrender those areas to God and submit to his word. Um, all of this tonight, again, it, it centers on that submission. 
It centers on, on recognizing um, Jesus. Uh, one, <laughs> recognizing the fact that we can't save ourselves, right? We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve any of it. But it's a gift that we can receive. And the only way to receive it is through Jesus. So recognizing that, recognizing that Jesus was the Son of God, that he lived and died so we could be saved and forgiven. And then lastly, by making him Lord, right? <laughs> recognizing his authority in our life, his kingdom come. And when we do that, God gives us the gift of his, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, and his salvation. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never made that decision, here in just a moment, we're going to have some people down front. And when they step down here, I want you to do this. I want you to step out of your seat. And I want you to come down front and allow us to pray with you and for you so that you can make the greatest decision of your life, a decision that, that not so long ago I made just like you that changed everything, and it's to become a Jesus follower. And maybe you're in here and you've done that at one point. You've gotten off track. You, you messed up. You blew it. Um, whatever it was. And you're just in here and you're wondering, can I resubmit? Can I come back? Can, can, I, can I try again? Absolutely. And so if you're in here and you need to re, um, resubmit yourself to him. Here in just a moment, same offer. When they come down front, step out of your seat. Act in faith. Come down here. We would love to pray with you and for you. And then maybe there's just something in your life, a stronghold an addiction, an attitude, a thought, whatever it may be, and you just know that it's, it's time to let go of that. Maybe it's just an area of control, a place where you want to dominate. Whatever it may be, if God's been speaking to you about it, tonight's the night to let go of it. We want to invite you out of your seat with everyone else in just a moment to pick up one of these white chips. There's nothing special about these. It's a, it's a piece of plastic. But when we act in faith, when, when we trust that God will move and, and we do something like stepping in front of everybody, I believe that God honors that. And so if that's you, I want to encourage you to come pick up a white chip. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. You're in here tonight and you just want to know, will somebody pray with me? Absolutely. This is a house of prayer. And so for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, just to, to resubmit, to pick up a white chip or just to receive prayer. Uh, we want to encourage you just to come down front and join us. And if everybody would, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.